johnsyndicate.com. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Direct from the Vegas Strip. Are you looking to access the most powerful betting syndicate information directly from the Vegas Wise Guys? The same games that players walk into the casinos and move 5, 10, 20 dimes a game on week in and week out. Learn the secrets of the most powerful betting sources directly from our office to your ears. All you have to do to walk with that air of confidence is pick up the phone and don't stall. Make the call. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Call now. Call free for your access password at johnsyndicate.com. That's www.johnsyndicate.com. Call now. Call free. We are back with another edition of Sports Insider Radio, the John and Mike show, the Eric and Constantine show, the Eric, Jonathan, Mike, Constantine show, middle names, first names, call me, just call me. I don't care what you call me. You can call me John. You can call me Eric. You can call me Eric Jonathan. You can call me Jonathan Eric, as we always, as my partner who's been gone for over a decade, man, 18 years, he used to always say on TV and radio when I was 18, 19, 20, he used to say, I don't care what you call me, just call me. So Mike, what's happening? Constantine Mike Safir, what's up, buddy? Well, we're we're back. Uh, it was a so wait, great real quick, let me ask you something. I know you use, I know Mike is, you know, is your middle name, you use that Obviously, you, you you came here when you were eight years old. For all the new listeners that aren't listening from uh, the country of Ukraine, Crimea. Um, but how do we actually pronounce your name? It's not Greek. It's 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 it's, it's, Kostyuk, it's right? Is that right? Well, that's that's the short um, abbreviation. Give me the like Ukrainian pronunciation. Well, it's Konstantin, but in in Russian, for the shorter version, it's Kostya. So, right, because you guys speak Russian, even though you're you're on the side of the Ukraine that speaks Russian. Right, exactly. And well, Ukrainian and Russian is very, very similar, regardless. But um, middle name is Mikhail, um, which is Mike here in the United States. Um, I go by that's much easier to say. It's much easier to you know communicate when I write it down because people can't say my name. So in reality, just like everybody else. It's it's funny. So if you're Greek, I'm thinking about the guy that you gave your name to send money one. Oh uh, right, right. They don't, they, especially in the south. It's very hard for them to understand it. They don't even know how. Oh like, my I God. get people. I get people that are straight. They lock up. They can't even say it. They're like, what did he? I'm like, he right. said, I'm not sending any money to. Right. It's just well, they just don't know, and they're you know they're they're not woke. <laughs> they're not woke. So it's um. You know, it's it's so the unique part if you're Greek, and the uh, the translation in the U.S. is Gus. I don't know how they pull yes, Gus. Yes, 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 yes. Out of out of Kostya, 
but uh, or Costa is in Greek. Um, I don't know how they pull it out of that, but that's just not me. Doesn't feel right. So it's never happened. I remember when like I came. Gus. You don't look like a guy. No, no. And then when I came here in the second grade, um, one well, of the like teachers. it's like Richard and Dick. It's the same thing. You don't really under like. Yeah, you just don't understand it. Um, right. So when I came here when I was eight years old, I went to. I came right into second grade in the second half of second grade. Came April first. Sorry, April second. 1991. So I was eight years old. That dates me to 40 years old now. And when I came here, that one of the teachers said Costi, and she wrote it down K-O-S-T-Y. So from that point forward, um, that was my nickname here. Uh, there's no other reason for it. That's just the way she spelled it. Everybody's been saying Costi my entire life. So Every it's, it's much easier. <laughs> Well, with it, it's my legal name is on my Instagram page, but I go by Mike. It's just much simpler. It's been going by my mental name in terms of, you know, people that know me, they know my full name, but that's just what I go by. So no big deal. On to the next. Uh, I know we have a lot of new listeners that are listening to the show that are more inclined on talking about the football season rather than our names. Um, and with football season approaching the actual Training camps have started. Um, all in all, it's we're literally weeks away from the inaugural college football game. I know there's a lot of realignments in college football. People aren't too certain. Fortunately, we don't have to deal with that till next year, where the Pac-12 is getting dismembered, and they're going to the Big 12. They're going to the Big 10. They were showing with the new realignment, um, Maryland traveling to places like the West Coast would be insane. Rutgers travel to the West Coast would be insane. So I'm not really sure the reasoning behind it. Obviously, it's a money grab. They get more exposure. They get better recruits. Obviously, uh, television contracts for the Big Ten. But by the, the way, Troy just sent me a – he just bought a new car the First thing he did when he got in the car is turn on the radio station. He just sent me a what video. He, he said he's he's got the, I don't know we haven't got there. He's got the new car smell, and he's listening. Mm. You and I love his that first broadcast in his new car. I don't know if it's a Bentley well, or a Ferrari. No way to break it in than to get um, you know one hundred seven point one live in Las Vegas on the the radio and and listen to the show. He's been on our show many of times. Uh, you know, it's, it, he's definitely a good friend of ours, very good golfer that I don't even know if he has a full golf bag anymore. The last time we played, he had about six different clubs left. So it, it's his average is about, he's breaking a club every six months when he's playing. So don't know how many he's got left. He says he doesn't need them. It's too stressful for him, but he's not stressed about putting 50,000 down on a game on a big money line to win 20,000. He's very exactly. sorry. I didn't mean to get you off topic. I just happened to get, get that funny text while, while I'm, it's nine thirteen a.m. in Las Vegas, and he just pulled off the car lot. That that's yeah, it's funny. So that's good that he got a car. That he must have done all the paperwork the night before because there's no way they would have finalized everything in an hour. It's like a whole day event every time you go get a car. I've never understand why they can't streamline the process, but that's a story and a, and a rant for another day. More importantly. Really want to get into football. Really want clients to understand what we're doing here um, and just get the transparency of what they're 
expected going into this year. So in years past, um, one of our large sharps, David Miller, who's providing a lot of the early releases and the overnight plays for football season in years past, we had we never really had a window to get him in. What happened was Dave would bet the games at his various books, and then he would release the plays to us, and then we would put them on our Telegram platform where clients could see them in real time. Well, the problem with that was was a lot of the lines, the prices were gone, and then clients didn't know whether to bet the game, not bet the game, because they always wanted to match David's wagers, that they the price was gone, so they were buying to the number, and they were costing themselves when they're putting in so many plays over a course of a season, about you know ten cents average on a purchase of of that exact line. So what we kind of dabbled with uh, during NBA was because of the legalization of sports books in so many various states now. And there is new books popping up literally every single day, it seems like. We tried it during NBA where he released the games before he bet them. And he was worried that he would lose an edge by doing so. Well, it didn't really lose an edge. Um, And what we're doing this year is you're going to get a 30-minute window of basically his paperwork that he's actually doing the homework, looking at the spreads, finding the edges, giving them out, and giving clients that window, which I don't think anybody in the industry is doing that yet. We're probably that we're talking about it on air, and we have followers and we have competition that listen to us. Maybe they'll start to do that. But in our world of sharps, because we're not handicappers, because we're not picking outright winners based on opinions, we don't care because the people that are already doing this which we all know is uh, right angle sports. They, they put out a live zoom call. They're as sharp as they come. I have the utmost respect for that company. They're also charging the price of a Ferrari. They know that their information is valuable. They know that their sharp lines are valuable. And if you can't get their pricing, you have to move on from the game in an industry where guys have locks and guys have strong plays and guys claim that, they're successful sports gamblers and winners. It's all fake. Just like we know with the, the Instagram guys that, that go on and drive Bentleys and Ferraris and post their, their betting tickets online and they claim they don't lose and they're professional bettors. Meanwhile, they drive. I got, I got full disclosure because we're talking about cars. He just sent me a picture of the car. Normal, nice traverse. SUV, all white, because you live in hell in Las Vegas. He said, he just sent me a text. It's nice. I don't need to pimp. Who am I trying to impress? That's the point. Well, that's the whole David Miller philosophy. I had a couple of really good conversations with potential new clients yesterday that were saying the reason that they were intrigued in the platform that we offer through Vegas Ringers um, is Dave doesn't drive a fancy car. He's not talking about betting millions of dollars on games that he can't lose. He's not wearing a iced out out of Audemars on his wrist. He's, he doesn't have the flashy stuff. He works out and he works. And that's it. In the summer, he goes on cruises and he kicks back because he knows once football starts, it's a 24-7, seven-day-a-week job for him, which we've had enough recognition from 
guys that have done deep dives on Dave's operation and have proved it legitimate. So the cool thing is when I have a client call me, I don't have to explain to them what we do. Most of the time they've done their due diligence. If they're a real semi-pro better, meaning they still have a full-time career, but they do this on the side and they have a big enough bankroll where they believe that this could be a supplemental income for them. So in doing so, these clients have done their due diligence. They've watched him for an extended period of time. We don't tout games. We don't promote winning. We don't claim winning percentage. We just give you access to the same strategy that Dave is putting his own money on. And to get those games 30 minutes before Dave bets them is going to be a huge surplus to every client that is going to be part of the mentorship on Telegram. Now, I did tell clients yesterday, 50 max is the lockdown. Why do we have a 50 max limit? The reason is I can't service and communicate with 200 people every single day when we post games, the lines may be different because for everybody that's all across the United States and the, and the world, your lines are going to be different at your different books. So I have to then give you, instead of streamlining it by doing a Zoom call like these other companies do, which requires you to be present for that call, we allow the client to have the freedom to do whatever he wants, still have a life, not put more than five minutes a day into this business model. So they're paying for me to coach them and tell them whether to play the game or pass on the game, which we've already done because two NFL games were already posted. In what world on August 9th is people giving out two NFL games for September 10th? That's a month away. Everybody's promoting tonight's game. The parlays tonight, the games they can't lose, they're doing their strategies. We're forecasting the first week of the NFL season on our football mentorship channel. That's because we are here to find edges. We know that games shouldn't have more value than 2 to 3% of your bankroll, and it's all about getting in the right price. No different than if you got a call from one of your buddies that said, look, I heard about this company that's going to be doing a launch. Um, you know, right now it's a penny stock. It's going to go public. You know, I expect it to, to skyrocket. Put it in now. That's the same concept of what we're doing in the sports markets. We're getting the best price at the right time, knowing that the line is going to go against us. I mean, look how, look, I mean, as we speak right now, Micah and our good friend Mitch are literally at a speed networking event at Bet Bash at Circa as we speak right now on the air because it's the 2023 Bet Bash that Spanky's hosting. Just think about that versus where we were years ago. You got literally all these pro bettors that are not handicappers assembling in one place for the purpose of just finding edges and networking and marketing and networking with each other. And it literally, you know, Stats, trends, none of that even has anything to do with price and, and edge and EV. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's, you know, th- there's different ways to skin a cat um, in this business. But the key is is not to try to create something. It's to have something that's had years of data, years of experience. And that's something that you've done separately from the mentorship with your with your underdog model. Um, 
I will let you, I know you did a quick video for the current Telegraph members for MLB the other day, but for new subscribers that have not yet been in our ecosystem on Telegram, kind of give a, a rundown, you know, a quick, you know, uh, cliff notes of how the 80-20 works. Um, I know it's not just football. A lot of it is college basketball as well. But give, give an understanding to the new listeners, like what that entails. So as I've already discussed with football, I mean, excuse me, with uh, baseball forever, dogs win 40% of the time. So uh, between 40 to 43% of the time, as we speak right now, dogs are 708 and 983 on the season. 41.9% of the time. So that means favorites have only been winning. And I'm going to transition at how this affects us in, in football um, right now. And, and favorites are 57.6% of the time. Real quick, before I get into the underdog system, let me give you the stats um, from our good friend Cal in Kansas City, who as always sends me the report each week. Baseball year to date. Favorites, 984 and 7725, 57.5%. If you bet to win $1,000 on each game, you've risked $2.729 million with a loss of 135340 Your return on risk on favorites is minus 4.96% for the year. So with that being said, we always know that there's an edge in dogs and in baseball, you're obviously picking an underdog to win the game outright. So what I did is a couple of years ago, I started math modeling this with some quants and some guys that, you know, that I'm not going to mention on the air. And basically, we realized that the numbers were basically the same in football. So while guys like David Miller and major betting syndicates, Billy Walters, who's at the Big Bash at Circa and, all, and Micah Smith and all of our crew, while these guys are all edge betting for positive EV or in-game live wagering with arbitrage, it's always been overlooked that you transition away from plus prices in baseball and then everybody's hyper-focused on minus 10 prices in football. And I said, this doesn't make sense. Dogs win against the spread, meaning just against the spread. We're not talking about outright winners. Dogs cover fifty exactly 50% of the time in college and pro basketball and NFL especially in NFL, it's complete parity. The line is so sharp uh, and college football. So basically at the end of the year, if you just blindly bet every underdog or every favorite, you're going to break even, you're going to lose big. That's just undisputable. That's the test of time. It's never deviated every single NFL season. It is literally 50, 50 on the closing number dogs and favorites. It's the most efficient market of all the markets, which is why Dave, um, you know, had an amazing, uh, you can pull it up. Dave had an amazing NFL season, um, that you posted in the telegram channel. Um, and it wasn't a lot of games, but you could, we'll go over that in a minute. So what I did is I said, okay, 50% of the underdogs cover clear period. How many of those actually win the game outright? Well, it was 25% of the 50, it was 50% of the 50. So 25% of the gross amount of games that are played, the underdog wins outright on the money line in college and pro basketball as well as college and pro football. So now you're in a scenario where you have 50% of the dogs that cover the spread. Of that, 50% of those dogs actually win the game outright. 
And so then I said, how can I increase my edge and not worry about win-loss percentages, just like I don't worry about win-loss percentages in baseball because I'm always playing dogs. So I launched it last year to the general public instead of only betting it myself. And the end of the day, I was 121 wins, 161 losses. Now, I explained in the video, it is an 80-20 system. So I risk 80% of my unit value. We're going to just call it for a $1,000 wager. I, what I managed to do is reduce my juice by two cents. Historically, the VIG is 110. So now I've automatically reduced my juice by two cents to 108. I'm betting 880 plus seven, or we'll just say, as an example, 880 plus nine and a half against uh, Houston, uh, Houston Texans, 880 plus nine and a half against the Baltimore Ravens week one. I'm just playing a game here. Then I'm going to bet $200 on the money line. So now I'm risking 880 on the plus nine and a half, 200 dollars on the money line. Three things can happen. Houston covers, but does not win the game outright. So now I've made point sixth of a unit. I've lost the 200 dollar money line juice free. I cover the Houston plus the nine and a half. The Ravens win the game outright. I scalp 600 bucks. Or let's say I'm getting 300 dollars on that 200 dollar money line as an example. Houston upsets Baltimore and wins outright. I get the eight eight the eight hundred back on the Houston plus the nine and a half, and then I wind up making another six hundred on the two hundred dollar money line. So you I was down exactly forty units last season with an average pick odds of plus an average uh juice of plus three hundred and fourteen dollars. By playing 20% of my money on the money line, I changed a minus 108 to a plus 314 over the entire course of the season. The problem is, fundamentally, is for the bettors out there that are new, or even the educated bettors, the syndicate bettors that are only focused on EV, they overlook the money line, and Dave Miller has... uh, a partner, we're not going to name him, very well-known, better, bigger even than Dave Miller, but we're not going to name him for anonymity purposes. Uh, he always used to say in our private WhatsApp group, congratulations to all Moneyline winners. That's when the light bulb went off, because what he was doing is he was keying in on dogs that really should be favorites or had a good edge and opportunity to win the game outright. And by playing that 20% on the dog, because then I talked to him in person in Vegas, and he's like, yeah. If I have a dog, I don't bet dogs from a defeatist position where I assume that the line is too high. Anytime you hear someone tell you it's too many points, they're going to lose, but they're going to cover, that guy's a deadbeat loser. He cannot win. If you're betting an underdog, that underdog should have a 20% opportunity to win the game outright. So what you're doing is you're looking for dogs that might lose outright and cover. But you're not going to be surprised if they win outright. The term upset is a dirty term because what it def- what it applies is that it's an, an anomaly for an underdog that's a 10-point underdog to win outright. And that's not an anomaly. That actually happens more often than you think. Think of how many NBA games plus 10 teams just went outright. I mean, you've seen it every year. You know, you see oh, these yeah. teams are laying 10, they're laying 12, 
They're laying 15 in the NBA. It's early in the season. It's a long season. They just tank in the fourth quarter, and the dog comes back and wins out right. And then everybody says it's an upset. It's not an upset. It's part of the math. Dogs win outright 25% of the time in college and pro football and basketball. So to bet an underdog from a defeatist point of view and say this team is getting too many points, they're definitely going to lose, but they're going to cover is what I call mush betting. So what I did is I flipped the script, didn't have a lot of games, all documented. Anybody can contact you or contact me to get the results. And like I said, you know, lot not a lot of volume, the opposite of the churn and burn high volume, like on the Spencer Cornelia video, the opposite, because what you're trying, you're not worrying about the minus 110. Now, here's the key part. Let's say I lose the game outright. The best part is the losing outright. Let's say everything loses. I'm betting the underdog, they lose by 30 points. Well, that's all right, because I just reduced my juice by two cents. Instead of risking 1100 to win 1000 I'm risking 1080 So I'm already, even when I lose, I'm saving money. But when I win, and they win outright, I'm scoring. So the proof is there. You saw it, plus 196.66 units last season because at losing 40 more games than I won. 160, 121 wins, 161 losses, plus 200 units, basically. And then, again, you were talking at the beginning of the show about right angle sports and sharp. And we don't know these guys. I've listened to all their podcasts. I have no intimate knowledge of them. They might be at the bet bash right now, but you know, again, these guys, they rock and roll an entire season. They're happy making 30, 40 units. So, you know, when you look at the amount of units that I've made, you know, it kind of dwarfs. Think about it from a lazy man's point of view, less work, more return, because it is truly, and I'll let you talk about the, the daily life of edge betting. It's a grind. You had a guy on the phone yesterday um, from New York City, young guy, 25 years old. What was his first name? I can't remember. I think it was Ray. I think okay. it was Ray. So yeah. he was saying he was felt pretty dejected. He said, I don't know how long I can do this because I have six laptops in my bedroom and I get cut off quicker than I can blink. Well, see, the thing is, they're all live betting and they're all arbitraging. Well, the problem is, is that Let's and we'll we'll talk about Barstool Sports in a second and ESPN and Fox Bet. But the problem is, is that we're you know you're sharp, I'm sharp, Dave's sharp, Mike is sharp, Troy's listening in his brand new car, he's sharp. We're surrounded by sharps. The problem is, the sports books have way more money than we do. Even Dave, even Troy, and they're sharper, and they got guys from Harvard and MIT that are sitting there, and they literally like your boy Ray said flag the account, you make one bet, and in two hours, you're, you're, you're locked. You saw what I tried to do yesterday. I'm not going to name the sports book on the air. I sent this screenshot to Cal. I tried to bet a game yesterday <laughs> for 2000 It's at a $10 available limit. They didn't cut me, but I have a $10 available limit. So it only is going to get harder the sharper you're at. And so this runs uh, it's opposite of what most people are doing, which is the the where you're not going to get cut off is what's deemed a square betting. So if you can figure a way to look like a square better, but actually be a sharp better, 
you're going to have a much longer role in the sports books. So when I'm betting pre-game and I'm betting an underdog in the, in the, the risk management department, because again, let's everybody, people don't know this. I, my office pre-COVID was in the Don Best office in Las Vegas before they moved and got bought off by, by scientific games for 15 years. I used to work out of that office when I was in Vegas and I saw all the risk managers and the guys setting the live lines for the in-game. And I'm more in, in, in that world than most people understand. And when they see a guy go in and bet a game that's plus 10, and then they see him bet 880 on it and then 200 on the money line, to them it's a glorified parlay better. He's a square. He's a square. He's not arbitraging. He's not edge betting. He's not in-game live wagering. So, therefore... I never got cut off making those 200 units in any of those accounts. The, all the accounts that I get cut off on is when I do what everybody else does, in-game live wager, try to arbitrage, and then and I see you know I log in and I'm not cut off, but I have a $10 limit. So I think I, I spent 10 minutes explaining that. But, you know, again, when you're talking about lifestyle, I personally, I'm 50 and a half, got an 18-year-old special needs child, a 15-year-old uh, daughter who thinks she's 45, and... I don't want to sit in front of the screens all day. That guy, Ray, you had on speakerphone yesterday, sounded like a really nice guy, genuine guy. He's 25. He's not probably married yet. He doesn't have any kids. And he's got, uh, you know, some penthouse in Manhattan with six laptops in his bedroom. And you know what? That sounds to me like the most miserable. You couldn't pay me enough. I want to be on my bike. I want to ride 50 miles in the morning. I don't even want, I want to, so I am more what you call the old school lazy guy. I want to bet it and forget it. And what I realize now is there is an edge in pregame betting that's now being overlooked by sharks. All these guys at Bet Bash, they're all doing the live game, the edge betting, the positive EV. And so I'll sit here and I'll do my pregame betting and I'll make my 200 units while these guys are going to bet 20 times the amount of games. And they're going to make 40 units, 50 units. Go ahead. Well, to them, it's, it's, they broke the code. We've seen it. For I get years it. Now I'm talking so lifestyle. It's, Money is yeah, not yeah, everything. Yeah, for, for the consulting side, for the average Joe that wants to still keep his day job. And what I mean by that is still run his business, still be a family man, still have his hobbies and also be able to create wealth. With sports pregame, the what we offer is the perfect recipe for you to be still integrated into making money, but it's not taking a lot of time doing it. While we know the sharps, how much work it is, we see every single time that our our good friend in the south puts in the golf wagers for the weekend. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of wagers. It's a lot of maneuvering. Does it work year round? Absolutely. But is it something that you could put five minutes a day and forget it. No. I mean, obviously during football season, you have to be more alert because there's a lot of post betting that we do. We wait for the lines to move on Saturdays and Sundays. So you have to be integrated into at least following a text message platform that's going to provide to you the plug and play approach. But with these sharps, man, they're once football starts. I mean, you saw with the Spencer video, Dave was in his seat. From the time, what, about nine, eight, nine in the morning till 12 at night, literally with six Red Bulls just going all day long, 
It's like clockwork. You can't miss it because that in-game stuff is such a huge edge, which, again, it's great. I think these guys that are they're at the Bet Bash have a lot of fascinating um, skills that most normal people don't have. I mean, so, I mean, let, let's talk about Dave's NFL purely early uh, pregame NFL. So you're a subscriber. You don't have the six laptops. You're not a... Um, you're not somebody that's trying to do this as a living or, 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 or a passion project. You know, he had 154 games in 18 weeks with an average pick odds, with an average odds of minus 110. He's 91, 56, and 7, 61.9% plus 41 units. You know, you're a dime better. You made 41 G's in the football season, but when you take the 154 games and divide it by 18 weeks, it's not a lot of games in the NFL. It's about eight games. It's about eight games. You're talking about the Island games on Thursday. You're talking about Sunday, and then you're talking about Monday. So you got the Island games Sunday, Thursday, and Monday, which Dave always was betting because he could get it because he likes the volumes. The limits are higher on the Island games. That's two games. He was only averaging about six games on the weekend. And so, again, it wasn't a lot of games, but like I said, the thing was those 91 wins, well, a lot of those games were bet on Tuesday and Wednesday where he, we have an, a win where the guy betting at post has a loss. So don't, there's about on the same game. The, on the same game. On the same game. On the same game. And the thing that a lot of people don't see is Dave would arb and middle that game. So, you know, that 91 56 and 7 could easily be 81, 66 and 7. If you bet on Sunday and you didn't bet on Tuesday and you didn't have enough money, and that goes back to the money management and only betting 1% or 2% of your bankroll, which most of these um, uh, new breed gamblers. Oh, I like there was an article yesterday about the Barstool Sports. So let me just get into that for a second. The bar, they said, you know, they obviously Penn, Penn Gaming divested from Barstool Sports. Dave Portner got, got his company back. That means Barstool Sports book is now over. And what they realized, and this is something I've been telling you forever, I'm 50, you're 40, is, you know, the average age of the average person that I deal with is, is my age, is my contemporaries between 40 and 50, right? Between you and me. And, and 60 and 70 and 80. I don't have a lot of, we have, I got one guy I talked to, Brett. In Manhattan, young guy, 26 years old. He is like the exception to the rule. He's smart. He gets it. He understands the business of betting with an absence of emotion. Not many of the young guys that I personally speak to, maybe you have a better repertoire with them, uh, understand the concept of the business side of betting. But what was interesting, they were saying the stoolies, uh, when they analyzed the stoolie, there was no value to that sports book because the average stoolie is between 21 years old and 26 years old, they have $13 to their name. They bet $12 on a game, and then they whine, B-I-T-C-H, and moan after every game is over like it's the end of the world, where the average person that bets at the other sharp spots is a businessman, and they're treating their betting. So when even you look at the fact that certain sports books couldn't even exist dealing with this recreational-type nonsense, and now you see... Fox Bet, for instance, I didn't realize Fox Bet was closing down shuttering operations. They have all these people watching 
Fox Sport, uh, Fox News, and Fox Business, and Fox, Sport, and you, and they thought they were going to just grab a piece because they were going to just have a sports book, which I think was originally a Bailey's property. Fox Bet, I, it, I may be wrong, bought Bailey's and then just converted the name to Fox Bet. They divested, they shut that down. So it's becoming a very big deal in this world of pros versus Joes, pregame versus in-game. And if you're going to simply be wholly focused on that in-game setting, you're going to, even if you have an edge, because everybody talks about protecting their edge. Who cares if you have an edge if you have a $10 limit? (laughs) It doesn't matter. Yeah, and that's, the, the point is, you could get away with it for a short period of time if you're doing this as a pro yourself, but unless you have years of navigating and maneuvering of how to consistently stay relevant and have bigger limits and have accounts and constantly have an enemy, look, there's a reason why the bet bash is going on. The bet bash is not a handicap, handicapping network where guys are talking about winning on individual picks. They're looking for opportunities to expand their business of how to stay relevant and to stay ahead of these sports books because we've seen that in recent months where uh, certain books have went national where it doesn't matter if you're in Baltimore or New York, it's the same account where before you had to log in to sue separate accounts based on the state. Now they just, they're just universal. They transfer it over everywhere. So you're not going to have that ability of opening an account in a new state and still have the ability to have your higher limits. Now, there's other ways that you can get around it where you're, you know, you have a seasoned account, which we've talked to plenty of guys, including ourselves, when you have seasoned accounts or when you come from the draft side, um, I'm sorry, the fantasy side, your accounts have more longevity. And it's again, it's the type of wagers that you make. It's the style in which you make them. And there's ways to to get around it. I mean, we've talked about this in recent weeks. We have a client, uh, actually, well, client slash friend, who at this point, he cashes out his account every single night. And every single morning, he gets a a boost on a play to put money back in from one of his um, one of his hosts. And then he always takes the boost and boom, he takes the money out again and always gets a boost or gets a credit. And he's basically taking advantage of the greed of the sports books because to them, these hosts, it's not like the old school host when you go to Las Vegas that gives you the comp for the room, the comp for the, the shows, the comp for the golf course, because he knows that you're there for the weekend. These hosts, they're, working thousands of accounts and their job is to simply get people to put money back into the account. They're not tracking it as tightly knowing that the guy has his MO is to every night withdraw whatever he's got and then wait for that bonus every morning because he knows he's going to be playing every day. Anyway, he's just taking advantage of the system, which again, if you're in the know and you know, these things, this is one of the hundred things that we have um, in our you know, in our portfolio that we could help the amateur betters with outside of the simple get on Telegram, we do the work. Because at the end of the day, I'd say it's 5% that we have pros calling us that want access to the systems. Most of the time, the pros are looking for knowledge of the business 
and how to expand their business as well as make money back with the with the service that we provide. So, you know, all in all, um, you know, we're going to have a very good season. I'm very excited. I didn't get a chance to talk about my honeymoon last week. We could transition. Oh, you have 15 minutes. Let's talk about it. I want to talk about your so, uh, your your uh, golfing expense. Uh, what you, yeah, let's so talk I get about to, golf, baby. I went to the island of St. Kitts and Nevis, which is in the Caribbean. For those that don't know, it's two islands south of the Dominican Republic. And great island, good amenities, great weather. Uh, we were playing golf one of the days there. They had told us that because to get to the golf course, you had to take a cab to a water taxi to another cab because the golf course was on an island without an airport on Nevis. We get to the Four Seasons, wine and dine. Anybody that travels, anybody that wants to be somebody, don't stay in anything less than the Four Seasons. I'm telling you, once you go, it's like once you drive a Ferrari, you never want to go back to a Toyota Corolla. That's what the Four Seasons is. Once you stay there, it's very hard to go back to a regular hotel because they wine and dine you. They have a golf course on this property in Nevis. There's 15,000 residents that live on this island. There's 16,000 monkeys that live on this island. So now there's more monkeys on this island that were brought there back when the British came there back in the day and they took over the island and they brought African monkeys with them as pets and those pets got loose. Next thing you know, they're multiplying and now there's more monkeys on the island than people, which is uh, to me was an awesome experience. I'm playing golf. I'm literally, I hit the ball in the rough and I see this monkey run out. What is this monkey doing? The monkey takes the ball and starts running with it because it thought it was like a fruit. So I literally drive over there. I get out. Monkey drops the ball because obviously I'm a lot bigger than this little tiny monkey. And literally I had 50 monkeys staring at me as I'm hitting my approach shot. I had it all on video. I couldn't stop laughing. It was like I was on number 18 at Augusta during the Masters. And I have all this. Now, usually at Augusta, they, they pull up the white the white sign that says, keep quiet. These monkeys did not keep quiet. They're laughing. They're playing with themselves. They're, they're just, they're being monkeys, but you know what? I hit a good shot. So maybe I need more pressure. Sounds like, it sounds like a lot of calls I get. <laughs> so, but you know, it's funny. I get there. There's a William Hill sports book in the casino, people betting parlay. It's like, for whatever reason, nobody just, just like everybody wants to win that Powerball that somebody hit last night. I don't know if you heard. Somebody did hit the Powerball. Um, everybody no. wants that big, big return. Everybody wants the big return. Nobody is happy with just playing a, even 110 to win 100 wager. It's not doesn't get them excited. They want to play that 14 parlay. And everybody, I'm sitting there playing. I was playing slots uh, for entertainment. And this guy's like, oh, I, got, I hit three out of four. Another guy, another night was like, ah, it's six out of seven. It always, and it's like, they don't have enough time to hedge if that was the case, because the games are all being played at the same time. And I'm sitting there and, you know, I try to keep quiet. I don't, I don't tell them what I do or, or what I know. Cause it's just, I don't need the conversation. I'm on vacation, but I'm thinking to myself, 
what if this guy just bet six? He had all these underdogs on the ticket in baseball. If he would have bet them all straight, he would have made a nice chunk that evening, paid no juice on the dog price because the game that he lost was a dog, and he would have been a happy camper. But instead, he's trying to hit that $10 ticket to win 20000 and he's not happy with betting each game for 50 bucks because he doesn't have the capital to do it. So the reality is people that are underfunded are always going to have extreme volatile situations, and it's going to never turn out unless they get lucky and hit that long shot. They're not going to consistently grind and make money. It's no different than the stock market. If you don't have money to put in the market, you're not going to make money. You're not going to sit there and try to, unless you, again, get lucky on something where it skyrockets and over time that small investment in a couple shares of a stock turns into a huge return. I mean, there's, it's very hard to find Amazon. It's very hard, very hard to find Apple. It's very, high, very hard to find Tesla now. Now, if you could find the next one, good for you. You're probably going to be a millionaire. But again, that's a shot in the dark. So the reality is you have to stay consistent. You have to treat it like a business. I know we say this every single week, but at the end of the day, the guys that treat it like an investment and they well, don't. So the answer is, so the answer is are happy. You, you have to, if you, like I said on my YouTube video, a lot of people claim they want to win and they don't. And even yesterday, like I was listening to a lot of your conversations out, like the, you can hear the temperament of a lot of people. It's the same it's like you just switch out a name. Every person is the same. Like, you know, Kenny White, our good friend, always used to say every game is like a, a snowflake. But in this industry, it's a little weird. Like, pretty much having a conversation with a lot of these guys is like this, it's the same conversation. Like my kids joke, they're like, dad says the same thing for a living. Like all they hear, imagine being the outside child listening to your dad on the phone. They just hear me repeat the same thing for 35 years over and over and over and over again. So, you know, again, I think that when you say they have to, no, they don't. Sports books are printing money. They're publicly traded companies. They're for profit businesses that are not, they're not there as, as a charity services. And the reality is 1% are going to actually do the right thing. And the rest are going to just search for the lock of the year and the game of the month and the blah, 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 and the blah, blah, blah. And, um, you know, it's hard to talk to people when they throw out numbers that are absolutely insane, but they don't even know their own P&L. You know, you talk to every guy you talk, I bet a dime a game, I bet a dime a game, I bet five dimes a game, I'm doing pretty good, I'm doing pretty good. How much, well, what are you up? Ah, I got to look. Is that pretty good in number? So again, I, I go back to, you know, it's why I'm stingy with my time. You know, you go to ericpathy.com, you go to johnsyndicate.com, I'm just not going to deal with the the daily Yahoo guy anymore. Sure. Could I make a lot more money selling to the masses? Absolutely. But again, just like I don't want to be sitting in front of the screens all day. I don't want to talk to a hundred guys that are looking for a four teamer. Couldn't agree more. So as we're ending this segment, now that the football season is here, if, if you guys are not Baltimore Ravens fans, you could stop listening now. Um, the show is over because for the last five minutes of the show, I'm going to be doing a <laughs> very detailed. Wait, what about my Orioles? Blowing it up at the fourth inning, oh, my, the ninth inning. Oh, listen, my God. 
first time that Felix, before we get to the Ravens, the first time Felix Batista, who is in talks for the Cy Young, which I haven't seen a closer be in talks for the Cy Young, I don't think ever. I'm not a huge baseball uh, fan, so I, I, at least from what I can remember. So the guy has been stellar. I mean, he's had 30 saves. He averages, I think his earned run is .7. So that's nothing. He doesn't even give up a run when he comes in. He got shafted. The coach actually got ejected. Um, they, they just, it was just a bad umpired game where they were calling. You could tell they were strikes and they were balls. And then guys got on base and the guy let up a grand slam. So listen, if we're going to keep putting ourselves in the winning position, we've won so many games this year on close calls on one run, two run games that this is the first time we actually, you know, got the, 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 the other, the butt end of the stick. So again, the team is still very good, very hungry, have a lot of talent. And it's like, now we're like expecting them to win every game. That's the funny part. Like we expect them to win every single game. That's a good sign. So I, I just hope that they parlay this into a, a strong postseason run. Um, I will go to a playoff game. I have not went to a game all year. I have no interest, but I did go to a playoff game back when we played the Royals, I think six years ago. And it, the, the environment in there was insane. So I will definitely go to a playoff game once they have it. It looks like we're in a, a good spot to be that. Hopefully we just finished. We have a nice about six-week run left before the postseason, so very exciting. But listen, the Ravens are here. The training camp, the first depth chart was already posted. Zay Flowers, the new human joystick, which used to be a guy on the Kansas City Chiefs named Dante Hall, who was an incredible kick kick and punt returner. This Lamar named him the joystick. He's a a rookie out of Boston College. Zay Flowers looks really good in camp. Um, We have a very strong offensive line coming back. The cohesion between Lamar and OBJ and Zay Flowers and Bateman and Mark Andrews should be there. The new play calling is going to open up the passing offense. It's not going to be run heavy like it's been in years. So that's very exciting. A lot of guys, you know, knock on wood, are healthy. The main guys, unlike previous years in training camp where we had a lot of injuries, I think they're just dialing them back, knowing that just got to get them through camp. But, you know, it's football, so you have to get them ready for contact as well. So it's it's, it's a fine line between too much contact and, and not enough contact because then they'll get hurt once the regular season starts. Defensively, stellar, secondary. We, we got rid of Peters, who was injured, could come back and have a good year for the Raiders simply because usually it's a two-year injury of what he had, and, and he came back last year, so it usually takes a whole year to recover. Um, Rocky Asim is our new starting corner, who we got from the Raiders. Very good, solid man-to-man defender as well as a coverage corner. Humphreys, we have Hamilton, second year, had an amazing rookie season. He was a top draft pick two years ago. Marcus Williams had an amazing start to the year. He ended up getting hurt, was out for, I think, five or six weeks with a broken hand, but came back. He's going to be in full strength. You have Roquan Smith, who's the best linebacker in the league, who we got in a trade, whole offseason, ready to roll. We, we brought back Patrick Queen, who had a stellar year once uh, Roquan Smith came in last year. 
Tyrus Bowser. So it's like we're bringing back a lot of the guys that had a very good run last year with this defense, which is key to have a full off season and have another year under the new, you know, the new defensive coordinator McDonald, who's came in, had a rocky start last year, but definitely dialed it in to be an NFL coordinator. And I'm expecting big things out of Ojabo, who was basically hurt most of last year coming out of Michigan, who was very good edge rusher. So if, Odafe Owe, who is in his third year, could actually be the guy that we drafted him for as an edge rusher. I have my fingers crossed. I don't think he's that type of talent, but I am not an NFL scout, nor I am a coordinator. So if he's going to get starting minutes, I mean, obviously they see a lot of potential in him. And so the team is there. Obviously playing at the bank is a very hard place to, to win for opposing teams so i'm expecting big things the schedule is a little soft as well so hopefully that will translate into a good strong regular season and a good postseason run because the afc is i mean i've never i guess i say this every year just because the ravens have been dominant for so many years going into the year we always have high expectations i mean i'm sure a lot of teams do but um this year the afc is stacked with aaron Rodgers coming over here um having miami who's up and coming, who's going to have a very good season if they stay healthy. I mean, that division is stacked. The worst team in that division are the Patriots, which is amazing. I mean, you can't count them out. I mean, they still have Belichick. So with Josh Allen returning a lot of guys, the Bills are going to be stacked. The Jets are going to be stacked with Aaron Rodgers. The Miami stacked. And that division is very, very tough. And then we still have Joe Burrow to deal with in our division. Deshaun Watson coming off a, a full offseason. Don't count them out as much as people say that the Browns are the Browns. Deshaun Watson now has an entire offseason to train with that team. And it usually takes about a year after being out of football for, for as long as he was with his suspension to, to get up to speed. He's a very big talent. Man, look That's at it. it. You can talk football right into the music. We'll be back with another Love issue of Sports Insider Radio next week from Football Mike.